Well, uh, a while ago, I remember years ago, I was sent this book, and uh, they said, uh, "Would you mind reading it and maybe endorsing it?" And I, I said, uh, "Sure." And and then they, they, somebody contacted me again and said, "Hey, uh, can you endorse it?" And I said, "Well, I really should read it first. <laughs> so I went ahead and read the thing, and um, it turned into a sob fest for me. It was, it had the most profound spiritual emotional impact on me of i think maybe any book i've read and that sounds a little soppy and i know there's people out there who aren't um, fans of the shack and and that's fine uh, we can still be friends although some lady on facebook said i read it and then i burned it wow yeah and then i went to her facebook page and saw all this ultra right-wing conservative you know praise the lord stuff and i went okay you're listening to the wrong show <laughs> so uh then i became kind of friends with the uh with the guy who wrote the book uh, william p young paul and uh we've we've struck up a great little friendship of course paul's friends with everybody he meets uh, yeah he's just the nicest guy yeah it's just wrong for someone to be that nice absolutely it really is uh, but during the month of february uh which i'm going to call the month of love we will speak <laughs> with people whose lives have been deeply and profoundly impacted by the international best-selling book the shack sold millions and millions and millions of copies around the world and in my opinion it's one of the best love stories I've ever read. So coming to a theater near you on March 3rd is the major motion picture, The Shack, starring Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer from The Help and other things. Uh, Sam Worthington, Hacksaw Ridge, Clash of Titans, Avatar. This film will take you on a father's uplifting spiritual journey. After suffering a family tragedy, Mac Phillips, of course Sam Worthington, spirals into a deep depression, causing him to question his innermost beliefs. Facing a crisis of faith, he receives a mysterious letter urging him to an abandoned shack deep in the Oregon wilderness. Despite his doubts, Mac journeys to the shack and encounters an enigmatic... An enig, an enig, enigmatic... enigmatic? Whew, wow. It was like I was having a stroke right there. Did you hear that? <laughs> or you're a rapper. Enigmatic. <laughs> trio of strangers led by a woman named Papa, played by Octavia Spencer. That's right. The, the woman is named Papa. Through this meeting, Mac finds important truths that will transform his understanding of, his tra- of this strategy and, uh, and change his life forever. So, joining us today... Lori and Dwight. They raised five children, Adriana being the youngest, and on Saturday, May 26, 2012, 16-year-old Adri ended her own life, and her mom recalls this. She says, we were out for dinner, and I became violently nauseated and went straight home rather than going to a special event we had planned. We arrived home just in time to have three police officers walk in our door and ask to see a photo of Adri. I'd seen this in the movies and somehow found my way to the computer to pull up a recent photo of Adri, and they said, yes, that was her. Of course, the horror of all horrors unfolded, and I had a year, um, you know, as you're processing this grief, you can imagine anything could go down. Well, um, Lori had this year where she put God on the back burner because it was so painful, and she was angry and, and sad. So Lori was stuck in her great sadness, just like Mackenzie from the book The Shack. And today we are going to find out how they were able to kick at the darkness until it bled daylight. Nicely done. LoriMartin.com is a website you want to check out as well because Lori's journey has led her into a whole new kind of world. Uh, Lori uh, and Dwight, thank you both for joining us. Lori, um, I want to go to you first. You and I have communicated a little bit. Were, would you say your 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 heart has been soft your entire life, or has this tragedy reshaped you entirely? Because it, you strike me as just a beautifully soft-hearted woman, and I I love it. But have you always been like this? Hmm, good question. I would say, if I'm looking at myself, my heart has 
mostly always been soft, um, but there's ebbs and flows in life, right? Yeah. Uh, but mostly, yeah, very soft-hearted, which I think made our tragedy felt so much more deeply and impacted me with what mattered to me um, the most. Um, Adri's death uh, pushed all the buttons of what mattered most to me in my life. Hmm. So, yeah, I felt very deeply, and yes, uh, it has been transforming for sure. Dwight, when was the last time you saw Lori angry? Um, Five minutes ago? <laughs> Uh, yesterday, yeah. uh, <laughs> yesterday because of the weather. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to just uh, get a get a she, picture she here. She is normal, Drew. She is normal. Okay, all right, yeah. all right, all right. That's right. She's nice, but she's normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, that now I'm just going to ask, just for audio purposes, it sounds like there's a bit of echo in there. So, we, Dwight, we might get you to go to another room if that's possible, yeah. or whoever can. Um, Lori, I have said uh, this for many, many years. And as a matter of fact, I've said it so much, I'll let Tim say it for me. What's the deal I have with God? Um, You can mess with me, but if you mess with my kids, I'm out of here. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that statement, Lori? Yeah, I get it. I get our our kids are our most precious treasures. They're part of ourselves. They're the part of our heart that beats the, the strongest. I get that. Tell me you didn't shake your fist and, well, you did. You had a year where you put God in the back burner. So so why did you do that? What was the thinking? Okay, God, really? My kid's going to die? Screw you. Is that where you were? <laughs> Pretty much at the times. Um, it's interesting because the first couple of years, I really leaned into God. I leaned into what I knew of God to be true from the... 50 years of walking with God and in the practices of of the loving presence of the one. And I was so grateful for that, that I had these two years. And then at the third year mark, when I realized my other four kids were, were doing okay, I think I was holding it together a lot for them and helping them get through this. And then um, it was my turn to really get more brutally real. And that's when I, I snapped. I'm like, okay, I've, I've done a lot of this. I've, I've leaned into what I've known. I've, you know, people say the darndest things, right? So I've heard the pat answers. I've heard the stupid uh, remarks. But now, now I, I'm just going to say I'm really angry. I'm really upset and mad, and things aren't really lining up the way that I thought they would. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can just go on the back burner for a little while. But I wanted to live a life of love. It was the craziest thing. Like, I didn't want God, I didn't want all this religious stuff. I let go of church, my spiritual direction, everything. And But I said, but I want to live a life of love. Somehow I know that's good. <laughs> uh, I didn't turn into some evil, sinister um, witch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I got to, Dwight, I got to go to you on this because, you know, I, I, I don't know, this might sound sexist. I guess we're all wired uh, differently no matter what our gender is, but... But from a from a man's point of view, from a from a father's point of view, uh, I can understand Mac in the book, The Shack. I can understand his shutting down, his shutting off, his his anger, his rage. Um, where did you go in, in your feelings when when your daughter ended her life? Uh, yeah, I'd probably be more akin to you, Drew, uh, in saying, you know. Um, uh, when you lose something precious, um, 
that's never coming back. Um, um, you know, it's a loss that can't be replaced. And, um, you know, I guess all the filters you used to have of God and just what's important kind of get blown right out of the park, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I don't think you ever get that back. Uh, well, I never, I haven't got it back yet. So <laughs> it's... What, what does it, that mean, haven't got what back? Uh, you know... Um, You're not buddies with Jesus still? You know, I see, you, it definitely changes my, it's changed my viewpoint on, on um, you know, what a loving God looks like. Right. And, um, <clears throat> you know, whether, you know, God is present in everything you do. Um, and, you know, it takes, it takes pretty quickly this idea that, um, you know, all, all good things are going to happen to people, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It it uh, it takes that away pretty pretty darn fast. To be frank with you, hmm. and um, um, you know that 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 belief is is kind of gone for me. Yeah, man, <laughs> totally get that. Okay, so here's what I hear about: I have not lost a, a child, and I don't ever want to lose a child. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to get another pet because I don't want anything else dying before I do that I care about. Right. Yeah. So I I've only heard this. So help me help me understand this, guys. Lori, I'll go to you on this one. Did it screw with your marriage? Because I hear that uh, that couples that lose a child, that the divorce rate is huge. Yeah, the stats aren't good um, at all on that. And um, yeah, it messed with everything. It messed with every moment of the day, every breath I breathed. It messed with messed with every relationship. Um, everything I hoped in. So, yeah, it messed with our marriage a bit because grief does that. You're just not yourself, and, and no one's yourself. And some of the good advice we got was just be kind to each other because you're not yourself. Just be kind to each other and have grace for each other. So we were able to do that. Thankfully, we always have had a very loving, um, committed relationship as a foundation. I think that makes a difference. Likely it does. I don't know. Uh, but some tragedies, right, draw you together or they drive you apart. And we'd already lost, you know, something that was most dearest to us. So you don't want to lose more. And I guess we just really worked at it and respected each other's journey and, yeah, stayed with it. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's start talking about how, you know, wh- what the crossroads were with the shack. Um, first of all, you you read the book after after you lost your daughter or before you lost... I guess it would be after, I think. I'm just trying to think of the timeline here. Sorry, I haven't done the math. Yeah, yeah. We read the book many years ago right. when it first came out. Right, okay. And um, actually, I forgot about the book for a while because, you know, things move on. And um, But when Paul was invited to the film site at Cult of Sleep Near Our Cottage... Uh, we were reminded of, of the book and the story, uh, especially when we got invited in to join him there. If I get this, I want to I want to share the story, uh, and then you tell me how wrong I am. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Dwight, is she good at that? Uh, yeah, she'll be, she'll be fine with that, Drew. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Somehow, Paul gets him, the guy who wrote the shack gets the message that you guys 
were you know profoundly impacted by the book and and live in in the British Columbia area and and um, you know maybe when Paul's up on set uh, while they're filming maybe you know you guys could go visit and meet and that sort of thing and oh yeah yeah so he, he sets it up and everybody's fine the director and you know all the cat or whatever whoever the power brokers are and the, yeah come visit and so it turns out they're are they not filming like five minutes from your house yeah like ridiculously yeah. close right yeah, we just walked down the beach to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is, is this the first time you met Paul? First time, um, yeah. I had met him once before at a speaking oh, engagement. Yeah. At a little, little shake and howdy thing. Just a, just a shake hand, yeah. Yeah, got it. So, you meet, um, and I'm sure, if you, if this is true, Paul, I'm sure he gave you the longest, most awkward hug you've ever had in your life. <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. <laughs> like he's not yeah. letting go. He's not letting it was, go. It was so it, it was so long that I I finally started to cry because I realized oh someone has already shared my story with this guy. He knows more about me than I know he knows. And hmm. so I was being invited back to my shack on that location, and I started to cry. And so I said, "You can let go now." I'm starting to cry, but um, as Paul does, he doesn't let go. No. Um, Instead, he pulled my head closer to him, and he pulled my head in, and he goes, it's okay, I gotcha. So I knew this was an extraordinary moment, um, which I now have entitled The Grand Embrace, because it melted me, and I started to open up to the possibility of, you know, how else my story could unfold now. Yeah. What? Tell us the story or the scene or set up the scene. Dwight, maybe you can do because, you know, we don't want Laura to have the entire interview. Um, tell us the, the, the scenario where you guys are sitting there during filming and you're watching them film a particular scene and, and what transpired. Yeah, so um, the director uh, graciously allowed us to come into uh, right on the set and it was uh, outside in a park and they uh, were shooting a scene um, that um, uh, Mac comes out of the shack. They had actually built the shack. And he uh, sits down across from Papa. And uh, they dialogue about, uh, you know, um, uh, Papa basically is saying to Mac, you don't, you don't get me. And you won't, you won't, you know, unless you trust me, you won't get me. Mm-hmm. And Mac says, like, how can, how... How how can I ever trust you? My my daughter's dead. <laughs> and Jeez. That's the scene you're watching. That's the scene we we and so just as a backdrop to that is is that when they do these scenes, unbeknownst to us, they they continue to do them over yeah and over and over again. So I think we had to watch that scene. I think fourteen or fifteen times. Wow. And. Um, so, uh, can I, hold on, I got to interrupt. In my brain, I would be sitting there going, "Okay, somebody's trying to get a message through to me here." <laughs> like, what are the odds that you would be sitting there watching that, and then it has to go fourteen, fifteen, sixteen times? And anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, how about you well, finish the story instead of me uh, telling people what oh happened? Oh no, um, you know, uh, Drew. I guess. The first time you hear it, it's just really painful, to be honest with you. Yeah. The second time, it's you think it's going to get less painful, and um, it just doesn't, right? Hmm. And so, um, 
I guess the message you eventually get is that the pain isn't going away. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's really painful, and um, uh, it probably breaks down your your you know you're just really open. I guess at that point in time, just to say, you know, this is me. Yeah, Mac has his story, but this is my story, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, Mac is in a book. And, we weren't, so we we get to live that pain, right? So, um, yeah, um, I think you you walk away from that, and and you say, um, um, you know, there is a loving God, and so how does that how does that look to me? So you, you do do that, you know. So that was the scene we had to endure for the first set, <laughs> and. Um, you know, I guess also, you know, from our point of view, we were with friends and we were with Paul and, 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 and they were caring for us at the same time. So, yeah, you know, you see, you see people caring for you at the same time. So that, that's kind of the, the fit there, too. Was there any impact on those around you with you guys being there watching this? Because if I was part of the crew, I would be watching you watching this. Laurie, did anything happen? Yeah, I was quite surprised. Um, our friends Brad and Eden Jerzak uh, were the connection with Paul. They're both authors together, and they invited us to join with Paul. And um, they've journeyed with us right from the moment. Um, Brad actually spoke at Adri's memorial, and Eden was pastor of the church at the time. So they've really, they really, and best friends, we did all the holidays together and stuff. So, so we were really feeling safe, and they were. F- they were they had lived this all with us, so they they were feeling it too. But the producer's wife, Lonnie, was quite incredible actually. Um, she stayed right with us like an angel and was watching and Paul had me sit right beside and I'm like, Am I ruining you guys' day? Like this is a big day on the set. Like here you are in this wonderful dream come true moment and you've got this big, like sad, sobbing story beside you. But they said, No, 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 no. You're a gift to us today because you're making this movie real. Like this is, this is what this is about. And these are the kind of people. You're the kind of people. These are the kind of stories that this movie is going to, going to touch. So for us to to be a part of this, it, they were really, really honoring and caring and understanding. Yeah. Um, Dwight, tell me about Adri. I mean, tell me about her. Well, she was sixteen. Um, you know, um, she was, uh, she was, uh, uh, like we have five children, so all our children are, are special and unique. Um, you know, Adri was fun to be with. Uh, she was, uh, her, her love was to, uh, she was a question horse riding. And so, uh, nature of my work, I was able to usually run her out there two or three times a week and pick her up. And so we, uh, we always enjoyed those times together, and uh, she liked she liked we liked listening to the music when we were driving around, and she loved her horse, and she loved jumping, and um, you know, um, she was uh, she was a pleasure to have in our house. Um, um, do you do you have any do you have any um, smell triggers or or flower tr- you know uh, just certain scents that brings you know a flood of memories into your into your brain when it comes to Adri? uh songs we used to sing in the car together to songs so when they come on the radio i get triggered so for 
for a long time I just uh, didn't listen to the radio. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, um, so and sometimes you um, you see another girl, her her age, her look, you get triggered that way, yeah. and uh, um, those are the triggers. And uh, not so much for me smells, probably more for Lori smells. But um, things like definitely the music thing because we used to love to sing in the car together. So. Right. Right. Favorite artist of hers would have been who? Oh uh, well, we liked <laughs> we liked singing along to some, initially some of the Lady Gaga songs. Okay, all right. I would love to hear you sing Lady Gaga right now, Dwight. Can you? Uh... Oh, that's not going to happen. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you might love to me to do that, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. No. I'm going to ask you a question that I' not sure anybody should ever ask you, but I know people think but then they feel bad about thinking so i'm going to ask you that question you ready sure how could you not know <laughs> yeah i ask myself that a lot too adri was a very a very beautiful soul and she was she just touched everyone's life. She lit up every room that she walked in. Um, and she was a good, <laughs> a good being strong person. And she was always helping everybody else. So I just knew her and I trusted her. I, I really trusted her and we, we were really close and she, she shared a lot of deep stuff with me. So I just, I, yeah, I trusted her. And I saw her helping others. She was the youth group leader of, of our church with um, a couple others. And she was the favorite babysitter of the church and still babysitting. And she was 16. I had four other teenagers that, you know, kind of go through hard things. Um, a friend of hers from school ended his life on her birthday six months before. And another friend attempted a month before she died. And she was busy helping everybody else. And... So I just didn't see it, did not see it, didn't expect it, wasn't in my, wasn't in my radar, so. So how many years have, well, I'm assuming, well, I'm hoping you're done doing it, but how many years did you beat yourself up about that? <laughs> oh no, there's, there's still some of that going on, but I had a, a gift given to me at Christmas that I didn't see coming. Um, my therapist has been awesome, I, I, I have to say that. Um, I didn't know he did his PhD on suicide when I signed up to see him and wow. he told me that on our initial meeting. I'm like, no way. So he's like, sit down, mama. There's some things you got to know. So he's been great at helping me process that. But just before Christmas, I was actually doing another round of um, being violent to myself and beating myself up. Just, oh, anyways, you know, the, the job maybe. But um, mm -hmm. I heard this story that I'd never heard before and I felt like someone was whispering in my ears like um, you know I lived with 12 disciples for three years day and night uh, trip after trip uh, miracle after miracle and um, I was perfect parent perfect friend perfect guy perfect peace perfect wisdom perfect everything and when push came to shove they all went off and did their thing and one of them even ended his own life and I'm like oh wow I never thought of that before um, so I got this essence then rising up like, okay, so even if you'd been perfect parent, you don't know, you don't know. Hmm. And that really helped to, to take some of the pressure off. Um, and then I get memories of 
of how I was with her, how she laid on me, you know, and she was my human blanket. We'd snuggle and always had her head on my shoulder in church. And I remembered the good. I'm starting to remember more of the good now instead of what I missed, where, where, what I wish, how I wish it had been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even you, in the 12, hey? <laughs> you, um, you know, it's been it's been a few years, and you both have had, you know, a chunk of time to process this stuff. And um, and I th- this is a question I ask a lot of families when they lose a, a child through whatever circumstance. I ask this question because here's the basically I'm I'm setting this up to say, look, I'm going to ask you another jerk question, but but here's the reason. Um, I want to know why faith matters. I want to know what role faith plays in this. I want to know, mm. you know, here you are, uh, um, you're all in with this God stuff, and yet eh, things didn't quite go the way you planned. So let me ask you this this question, and Dwight, I'll go with uh, to you on this one. What happens if something else happens to another child? God forbid you lose another child. Well, I'll just tell you a little story. Um, you know, when uh, we came home that night of Adri's death, um, we were in the house and the doorbell rang and there were three police officers who had come to uh, to tell us of her death. And the first, so there's, you know, you you you're walking to the door and you can see that there's police officers, and so we didn't know what to expect. So, so um, and then you know they informed us after that. Um, you know, sometime later, within a year, uh, it was three in the morning and, um, doorbell rings. So I come down and turn on the lights and as I'm turning the corner, I can see two police officers standing (laughs) at the front door and I'm thinking, oh God, not another, not another kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I... You know, I open the door and I'm thinking, you know, you, you, you're just thinking the worst. Sure. Just be with you. <laughs> open the door and he says, uh, yeah, he says, we're driving by and we notice your garage door is open. Oh my goodness. We think you should shut it for safety. So, so, <sighs> you know, emotionally, uh, we do, we do, we do relive it. That's just an example. Yeah. And so, um, you know, um, Lori would probably say the same thing. We have we have emotionally lived the, the loss of potentially the other ones, and it's it's not it's not fun. Um, it's not fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so okay. I don't know if that really answers. No, the you, I mean, dude, you put me right in that same spot. I mean, that's exactly what happened. You put us in the spot. The cops are at the door again, and you instantly process really. Another child, yeah, and um, you know that's the, I don't know. It's yeah. a, it's not a cool question to ask at all, but it's something that I I wonder about because look, you hear of people, and you guys are you know you're kind of there where the, the tragedy happens, and then you maybe you write a book about it, maybe you speak about it, maybe you, you get into therapy, maybe and 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 you help others, you help others, you help others. Well, if it happens again. I'm sorry, but I just go right to checking out again. Like, I guess what I'm admitting here to both of you is I suck. I do not have the testicular fortitude to deal with this kind of stuff that you guys 
are dealing with. And I jump to hypotheses of worst case scenarios and 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 you know my faith journey is just a joke as it is um and then i think about what you guys are all about and i i admire i just admire the fact that you can continue to walk in faith i don't know how you do it yeah well it's (laughs) you know i don't know you you kind of make it sound like we've got it all figured out no 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 i didn't know i'm sorry I (laughs) i don't think we have um you know it rocks you it rocks you for sure um and you know i don't we're we're obviously never going to be the same again i think i think one of the things you know you talk about faith but we also one of the things that we've had to work is is to make sure that we don't get overtaken by fear um you know the fear of losing another child the fear of tragedies so yeah that's that's there too Lori, um we, we i'm just this is the sucky thing about doing a radio show is you know i'd rather just sit down and and uh, spend hours talking with you guys over a bottle of McManus Syrah. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I, <laughs> man, she said. But I, um, I guess we, you know, we've got to, we've got to wrap it up here. So, so you know, a, 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 a typical wrap-up question would be: What do you say to anybody else who's experienced the kind of gut-wrenching tragedy you guys have gone through when it comes to their faith? What, what like what do you say you say well, just hang in there you know god is god is still real god still loves them you know keep just dig into your bible find a bible believing church i don't know you know what do you no. say no none of that oh okay um i'd say what i'm going to say to you is that if something terrible would happen to any of your kids um you would find within you what you need to do what you got to do it's in you and I think you and your colleague were talking about this earlier, about when you find yourself, you find God. When you find God, you find yourself. And hmm. it's connected, and that love holds us. And we're made for love. We're, we're not made to live apart. So it would be there. It'll always be there. Um, but it's great to have companions to do that with. Yeah. And um, silence and stillness in which to connect with that. I found for myself when the tragedy first happened, and this is what I would encourage anyone who's even still stuck in their great sadness, is it was like uh, a drinking glass with a ball shoved right in it. So now you've got this ball, and and if if we're the cup, everything that we see and feel is right, that ball's in our face. We can't breathe without the ball being in our cup. Hmm. But in time, as you open to grace, open to love, open to the human journey with pain and suffering that we all have and continue to journey day by day, hour by hour, um, we're made to heal. We're made to come through hard things. We've been designed that way. But instead of the ball getting smaller, like everybody's like, are you getting better yet? Does it hurt anymore? Like, are you okay now? Instead of those things (laughs) um, being a, coming against you, what I have found is that rather than this ball getting smaller, because it will, should never get smaller, it's always going to be the sorrow that it is. It's as important as it is. It matters the most to us. Instead of the ball getting smaller inside of me, I'm enlarging to hold it. So my vessel, my vase, my great glass enlarges. And I would try, I believe that that, would, that will happen for everyone um, as they're able, and for those that aren't, maybe there's someone who can hold that for you and with you until it can happen for you. We enlarge to hold it. 
Okay. That sounded pessimistic, didn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been my experience because it doesn't get less. Right. Hmm. And it shouldn't. It matters. It's important. Um, the pain does, doesn't feel the same. I mean, definitely, as anything, it, it gets into the flow of life. Um, but, but yeah, I, I would have the faith for people to say, you can do this. Hmm. You can do this hard thing. Because if I can, anybody can. Well, to find out more of their story and to read things and to connect with, the website is Lori Martin. That's L-O-R-I-E, Lori, L-O-R-I-E, Martin.com, Lori Martin.com. And Lori and Dwight, I, this, I, I'm quite serious when I say this. I, it drives me nuts that we have to finish the, uh, the conversation here. Um, but I want to thank you for being vulnerable enough to come on the show and share this very private, personal journey that, that you have had to endure. Mm-hmm. And, um, thanks for honoring us. Thanks for honoring our story. And thanks for giving, giving us an opportunity to share some hope and some healing um, somehow. Ooh, well said. I think we should finish it right there. That was well said. Um, Dwight and Lori, thank you both. And I lo- I'd love to meet you guys. If you ever come to Toronto, eh? Uh, hey, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Come come say hi, okay? Okay, thanks, Drew. Okay. Same if you're ever out this way. For sure. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. I, I always have a tough time with those ones. Because I don't want to sound like the pessimistic jerk all the time. No, you're not being a pessimistic jerk. I think you, you're just admitting that this is, this is your no-go zone. Yeah. You've always said that. Yeah. And so when you hear people talking about it, how do they do it? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Short break. Stay with us. There's hope for all among those love the most.